Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guests today are Anthony and Alexis Sevieri. Anthony is autistic, and Alexis, his older sister, is neurotypical. Some of Anthony's special interests include music and roller coasters. Alexis is a member of our Skillcore alumni community, having traveled with the Global Autism Project to India, Kenya, and Rwanda. To learn more about our Skillcore program, check out episodes 150 and 151. In this conversation, we discuss how Anthony and Alexis's parents explained autism to them when they were children, their family dynamics growing up, how Anthony would feel during moments of aggression, an incident from high school that led Anthony to writing music, Anthony's journey of self-awareness and self-acceptance, Alexis's experiences as a sibling, how they came to understand each other's perspectives as adults, fun activities they like to do together, the risks of using food as a coping mechanism, autistic strengths that Anthony uses at his YMCA job, his recent album, including a teaser of one of his songs, Alexis's goals to help families with autistic loved ones, and tips for autistic and non-autistic siblings. In this episode, discover what's possible when bonds are rebuilt. To learn more about Anthony and Alexis, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you, Anthony and Alexis Sevieri. Hello, Alexis and Anthony. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. So, yeah, we've never had a sibling duo on the podcast before, so I'm excited to have you both here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we've had some siblings on the show, but not the two together. Ah. Let's start with some brief introductions. Alexis, you want to go first? Sure. Hi, my name is Alexis. I am Anthony's big sister. I work in Boston Public Schools. I started getting involved with ABA and working in home services and in schools and summer camps for children with autism spectrum disorder. And I have just completed my master's and moving into the next steps of becoming a BCBA and starting a new business, which will support parents who have any questions regarding their diagnoses of their, their child or the adult they care for. And it's going to be a really great resource. Great. And Alexis, you are part of our SkillCore alumni community. So you've traveled with us on our SkillCore trips. Yes. Probably hands down the best experiences I have had are on the trips that I've gotten to travel with SkillCore. I got to travel to Rwanda in July of 2022 and then India in October 
of 22. And then in this past March was able to join you in Kenya. And we went and had a fabulous time out there as well. I think that getting to be out in those communities and seeing the the work we do with the people there is just the most incredible experience. It's awesome. All right. Yeah. And Anthony. Hello, my name is Anthony and I'm the one that actually carries the autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. I wouldn't say it affects day-to-day life, but actually, who am I kidding? Yes, it does. What was it like for you growing up and discovering your autism? Well, if I'm completely honest, I would say confusing, yet also kind of enlightening at the same time, because I always knew I was different in some way. I just didn't know why. But now that I know that there's an actual reason, I try to work around that. So I do eventually tend to fit in wherever it is I happen to go. Hmm. So how old were you when you were diagnosed and when you found out about it? I want to say I was about 18 months when I was diagnosed. And I think I found out sometime around age seven. Okay. And was that like a family conversation? Alexis, do you remember that also? So my experience with learning Anthony's diagnosis was asking my mom about a lot of the behaviors that I had noticed with him that were very different from what I had seen in typical two-year-old children and had said, why is he banging his head off the floor when he's upset? And why is he you know, doing these things that, that I maybe have never seen? And so she explained to me his diagnosis with a really great book she had read with me, I believe the title, something along the lines of Through a Sister's Eyes. And it was the story of a girl who had a brother with autism and the experiences that she had. And I felt very well related to where in the story, they, you know, certain things that I noticed so many similarities with Anthony. And I said, oh my gosh, he does that too. And and she understands exactly what this is like to have a brother who is just like Anthony. And so that was how I was able to start learning about the diagnosis. And I believe it was around that similar time that she had had those conversations with him. I think that it was more of a family conversation later, but I think she addressed it more one-on-one with each of us at the time. Hmm. Okay. Got it. So Anthony, you have an experience from high school that was pretty impactful for you. Yes. Yes. Do you want to share that? Well, it started actually in the summer going into my freshman year. The very first, I mean, sort of the kickoff to this was we were grabbing pads from the gym in the locker room at school. There weren't any in the locker room, so we found some leftovers in the gym. And at the time, the cheerleaders were practicing, and they didn't want any of the football players in there. So I made it a point to be as respectful as I could to pretty much say, I'm just looking for pads for my pants. I'm not looking for anything else. And that led to me and this one cheerleader. Actually, we were sort of in that talking stage for a while, and I still to this day I'm confused as to what that talking stage really is but after a while I want to say this was about three or four months later she went to the assistant principal of the school and said I don't want to talk to him anymore so when I was brought down I was explained the situation I figured 
that seemed very out of the blue. I don't know how else to sort of address this. If I can't talk to her, I don't know how else to address this. So I wrote her a letter to try to get some kind of closure from the situation. So a couple of days later, I had the letter. I gave the letter to one of her friends to give to her. By the end of that day, I was brought back to the assistant principal's office. He had the letter in hand and tried to claim that she said the letter was a suicide note. Hmm. But it wasn't. No. That was about as far from it as you could get. Most of it was just how I'd felt about her and how I was confused about the whole situation. This was almost nine years ago. And still to this day, the complete utter bewilderment of what happened still confuses me to this day. Like how you can take a letter that's supposed to be the closure to our chapter and say that's supposed to be the closure to my entire life. Hmm. So what happened after that? I went home and had to explain to my mother, who was crying in our kitchen, that I wasn't going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. So now looking back on it, what do you think could have been going on with her and her interpretation of it? To this day, I still don't know because I've actually talked to a few of her friends since then who have actually read the letter, and they said that she was crazy for thinking anything like that. Hmm. Have you come to some kind of peace with the situation? I did, after I wrote a diss track about her. Okay. You mean a song? Yes. And that sort of kind of became my coping mechanism for a lot of situations throughout high school since then. Hmm. Right, so you use music as an outlet, right? Yes. Some people write journals, some people paint. I make diss tracks and other songs. Uh-huh. Got it. So in a way, this was kind of a, a milestone moment for you in discovering yourself as a writer, as a musician, as a rapper. Yes. To this day, I still wonder if that didn't happen, would I have ever started writing music? Hmm. So I suppose in a way I can always kind of thank her for that. That's a good reframe. As weird as it sounds. Mm-hmm. I get it. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that autism impacts your everyday life today. Yes. What are some of those ways? Because I never feel like I know what's perfectly acceptable in a situation. And oftentimes I don't feel like I will know unless I ask what's acceptable. And, like, I feel like it changes from like, even in very similar situations, like going from one job to another, certain jokes that might not be acceptable, certain topics of conversation that might not be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Do you receive any support? I would say at home I do. But in terms of, like, someone in the field with me, not really. Mm. I try to do everything as independently as I can. So as not to sort of make the diagnosis affect my life as much as it could. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about joining some autistic peer groups? 
I actually have never really thought about that until recently. Okay. So, you know, I know that as much as people want to do things independently, there's nothing wrong with asking for help, right? Yeah. I do feel like that's an area I struggle with. Not only because of the diagnosis, just because of me trying to do things independently in general. And I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with, regardless of a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that, you know, there's some change in society around this. Yes. And I think there is this pressure to do it on your own. And the reality is we we are all kind of codependent with each other. In a way, yes. So how, you know, growing up, how did autism affect your family dynamic as a whole? I would say things were definitely tense. Could you elaborate on that? I feel like Alexis definitely could. Okay. (laughs) Because for the most part, I feel like I was sort of in my own world and never really considered the family dynamic. From my experience growing up, the household did seem to have a chaotic energy most of the time because Anthony's behaviors could sometimes change very quickly based off of a fleeting feeling. So if I walked past his plate and he thought I was going to touch one of his chicken nuggets, (laughs) it could become quickly a very large fight. And Anthony used to experience a lot of challenges controlling his impulses with his anger. And so there was a lot of destructive behavior, a lot of yelling and physical aggression and some of those things. And Anthony and I have had a lot of great conversations in our adulthood about what that looked like for us at a younger age. So we did have a lot of physical altercations very frequently. And that was something that we had to work through and kind of figure out. I think that The biggest motivation for me starting a business that supports parents is having seen my parents' experience with being very, very young at the time and not knowing anything about autism and having to kind of start from scratch on what does this mean and what what does it look like and how do we support our son in the way that he needs. And so learning that it's an interesting try, like especially back in 2002 and in that year, there weren't quite as many resources as there are now. And so having to seek out that information was pretty challenging. So a lot of times they were just trying their best and doing the best that they could. And there maybe could have been things handled better, but I think that in retrospect, they did the very, very best they could and did well. And Anthony also did a very great job at learning himself. I think that he came into his self-awareness in a beautiful way and understands more behind what his behavior used to look like in those times. So his aggression and yelling and some of those behaviors might have fueled some of the fire that were that was occurring at that time, but we he understands that there's in it no way any blame put on him for the dynamic of the family being a little chaotic and difficult to manage in those ways. Got it. Anthony, could you talk about that journey of self-awareness and self-acceptance? 
I feel like it's very tough to put into words because I do remember being as aggressive as she mentioned. And at some point around high school, I would say, I just started to mellow out, I would say. But it was definitely very progressive between like elementary school, middle school, and early high school. It was definitely a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Are you able to articulate or explain what you were going through in some of those moments of aggression? Mostly just very intense emotions. and I didn't know how to articulate them or how to explain how I was feeling or why I felt that way or why I felt so strongly and to make matters worse. So intense emotions just turned to destruction. Mm -hmm. Do those intense emotions still come up sometimes? I don't feel like they're as intense as they used to be. Mm -hmm. And do you now have more like coping strategies and tools under your belt to deal with some of these emotions? Yeah, definitely between the music and just being more isolationary, which can become too much of a good thing or a bad thing. What do you mean? Because sometimes if I spend too much time being isolationary, I get lonely and I start to miss my friends and I just get sad. And that brings on some more of those emotions. Yeah, so it's constantly trying to find a balance, right? Yes. I wanted to share an example that Anthony and I had talked about that kind of related to what you had asked about, Rachel, with back when we were younger. When I would have my friends sleep over as a young girl, you know, in those middle school years and, you know, the girls would come over and we watch movies and hang out in my room. Those would be some of the times that Anthony would lash out in the biggest ways to the point where sometimes friends weren't allowed to come over because they had heard about Anthony, you know, pulling out a knife to show how angry he was and, you know, things like that. I didn't understand at the time because Anthony, as he explained, has a hard time explaining those feelings. And it was actually very, maybe a couple years of that behavior before he was able to finally articulate it. And he said, why do you get to have friends sleep over? And I don't, I don't have any friends that come to hang out with me. You're the only one that gets to have friends. And, and I saw how much that upset him. And I had never realized that that was impacting him at all. I didn't see that perspective on, on what was going on inside of him. I was just, you know, a middle school girl trying to have my sleepovers with my friends. And I'm like, why is my brother getting so angry? And why does he have to do this so much more when they're here? And you know, feeling those embarrassed feelings. But at the same point, I was almost incredibly defensive about Anthony. If anybody else ever tried to say anything that in any way spoke poorly of him, I would become incredibly almost um, like mama bear, big sister bear like type. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe I can pick on him as a sibling, but if anyone else dare try, don't <laughs> do not do that. Yeah. Whether I deserve that is neither here nor there. Right, right. And so I think that that was really telling to his struggles with communicating what it is that's 
causing some of his feelings. And I think a lot of times he doesn't know exactly what it is that is causing those feelings. And so it's almost trying to work through that as a whole different section. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is your age gap? Four years, almost four and a half. Yeah. Okay. And you do have another sibling as well, right? Yes. Yeah. We have a younger sister, Gianna, who is 11. Got it. So you two were definitely the ones who kind of grew up together. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel like it's important to include just some of the perspectives around parents that I think we've also been able to learn. And just having the same open-mindedness for your parent being a person that's also just learning and trying their best with what they understand and with what they know at the time. And yeah, I think that's just, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm. I, I started the business called It Takes a Village. And the reason I came up with that title is because it really is true. My mother needed a whole you know, vast amount of information that she didn't have. Someone else was able to provide her and whoever that was, they wrote about it from their experiences. And so the whole point of creating this platform is so that we can bring that community of caregivers and parents together and try to remove some of those feelings of shame and guilt and fear that they're not doing their best when in reality they really are, especially just by seeking out any information on how to do the best that they can. So I think that we have to give a lot of credit to those parents that work their their behinds off to be the best they can be and just to support them in, in what they do. Yeah. What's your relationship like with your parents? Well, I'm the oldest. And so they had me very young. They were in high school when they had me. And so I was a surprise. (laughs) And and so they already were kind of in a place of building the plane while it's flying and learning how to be parents before they were ready to do that. And so they only had a few years of experience with me in that way before Anthony was born. And they realized that he needed even more support than maybe the average child might need. And so I think that did put a lot of strain on their relationship. I think that because they were already strained from the beginning a bit, they, they're still together now and they've worked through all of those challenges really well, but it was not easy. And there were a lot of really difficult aspects of being in that small household together with all of us. It was, you know, their relationship dynamic was a lot and then Anthony needed a lot of that support. So if if there was a time that they started fighting, it was usually on me to say, all right, let me scoop Anthony up and we're going to go in the other room and we're going to play what you like and talk about the color green and <laughs> whatever it is that will make you happy. And we're going to pretend there's not yelling going on out in that other space. Mm-hmm. And um, But we, I think, through the conversations that he and I have had, we're also able to process some of what those experiences looked like for them. And especially now being 27, I think about, you know, my mom at this age already had a 10 and a six-year-old and the six-year-old, that was probably the time that Anthony experienced the greatest challenge. He was really, was it around six, Anthony, that you started speaking in full sentences? I think around there, maybe a little earlier. 
Yeah. So he had been nonverbal for a long time. And so that also really fueled his emotional outbursts and those things. And so if everybody was already, you know, a little bit on edge and Anthony can probably feel that and he all of a sudden has that explosive, you know, yelling and those things, it just created so much extra tension in that way. I think about being 27 and having a 10 and six year old that need all of that support. And sometimes I notice that I don't even care for myself as much as I should. And I didn't maybe make time for, you know, a nice meal today yet or things like that. And how could I possibly manage a 10 and a six-year-old right now? And how, you know what I mean? I think when you get older, you have so much more of a great appreciation for the hard work that was put in. And so I, I still am very close with my parents. And, and despite all challenges that may have happened, I can really see how difficult what was done was and how well it was done. And so that made the biggest difference for me. Mm -hmm. And inspired your company or your platform that you're creating also. Yes, yes, exactly. Because there's a lot of parents that they feel fearful to even ask questions sometimes because they don't want to seem you know, is this something that I should already know? Maybe somebody is going to think that this is a silly question and I should already have the answers because I'm their parent. And there's just all of these fears and and scary feelings that come along with that responsibility. And I've seen it in the field as well with home services and things like that, where certain parents that I've worked with, once they had that comfortability with me, I get calls at 9 p.m. Can you help him get ready for bed? He listens to you and I need help with this. What about this thing? And asking all these questions because they finally have a safe space to ask them without feeling like they're going to be judged. Mm. So I felt like I wish that I could do that for every parent in the world. I obviously can't. I'm one person. So I think that's why the idea of the platform came about where we can really pull that community together and even have parents and caregivers rely on each other sometimes too. Like, hey, has anyone thought of a you know, a technique that might help with this challenge that my son is facing. And then think about how many people I'm sure have seen that same experience and have things to share that were helpful for them. Or it's not just about the professionals saying, oh, we know best because our degrees said that this is the answer for this thing, because that's not how it works. It really is a village of people all working with individual people who all have different needs. And it's trial and error. That's what parenting is. (laughs) Right. Anthony, do you have anything to add about your relationship with your parents? I feel like as a youngster, I never really noticed it. Like I never really had considered it at an early age. But I feel like it's definitely gotten better throughout the years. Now that I can sort of articulate how I'm feeling. And I wouldn't say fully understand how other people are feeling, but sort of get a general idea. And where I can sort of start to empathize with people and sort of similarize experiences and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, Alexis, you mentioned that now as adults, you're able to talk about these things that happened when you guys were younger. Was there a specific change in your relationship that kind of had you guys get closer? I think the biggest thing I would say is her going to college. And her going, staying away at college. And you know what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. So then you guys missed each other. (laughs) A little bit. I was surprised that how much Anthony missed me. I felt like 
in some ways, I think I felt closer to Anthony than he did to me at some points. And there were moments of wishing that he, how do I say it? I think because when he was very, very little, there were a lot of times that he would come up and he would run and give me a hug if I was crying or things like that. And then as he had gotten older, it was like, does he just hate me? <laughs> and that was so interesting feeling that way. And so when I went away to Salem State, he really was impacted by that. And he would send me little videos that people have made that said, when your sister leaves and you realized you actually liked her or something, you know, different things. <laughs> and so I think that that made a bigger part of the closeness came from there. Mm. And I think that my mindset had shifted as well. I carry a lot of guilt with me and almost shame for the thoughts that I had had as a young kid, but I understand where they had come from. There were a lot of instances and, you know, I've apologized to Anthony about these things before. We've talked about our experiences on both ends where I would say things like, why did I have to get this brother? And why did, why couldn't I just have a normal brother? And so thinking that I've ever said those things, that's where all that guilt and shame sits. And I think, you know, okay, I was, I was young. I didn't know better. I didn't, I was just going through my experience. And there were times that, you know, I'm, I had realized I had been physically in an altercation every day that week. And I said, I just want to break. And I don't want, I just want <laughs> this kid to stop hitting me. And, and so now I think that we've just been able to see it from both perspectives. And that's why I think we were able to get closer seeing what the other person might have experienced on their end. And, you know, there were lots of things that just siblings do. And I'm very grateful that we do have a very close sibling bond because I see a lot of times siblings who just never speak. They just, once they grow up, they're adults and they just don't talk and anything like that. And so having my brother be one of my very best friends is just such a great blessing to have. Mm. So Anthony, what do you like about having Alexis as a sister? Uh, let's see. One of the things I can definitely say is that she helps me sort of articulate things that I don't know how to explain or communicate as easily. And another thing is that we both have similar senses of humor and just things that we like and share. Mm-hmm. And Alexis, same question for you. I think having Anthony as a brother showed me just entirely how different people can think and just the beauty of getting to experience life learning from other people and having conversations with people about their experiences. Anthony will say things sometimes and you stop and you say, huh. I didn't think about that or I didn't think about it in that way before. But I think the best thing about Anthony and I's relationship is that we can just be fully authentically ourselves and and silly and weird and whatever that looks like. And, and we know that there is no judgment there. You know, he's not judging me. I'm not judging him. And you're just free to be yourself. And, and Anthony taught me that that was something that I needed to see reflected in the rest of my relationships and my friendships, romantic relationships, those things. As, as long as I'm feeling like I can be fully free and authentically myself, then that is a safe space to be in. And I definitely learned that from him. <laughs> so what are some things that you guys like to do together for fun now as adults? 
<laughs> we scroll through videos, like TikTok videos and reels. So we'll sit and sometimes we, you know, just going through adult life, obviously we don't get to see each other as often as we used to. So if we send each other funny videos and things that make us think of each other, we'll have, you know, a time set where he and I will be on FaceTime and we'll share, one of us will share our screens and we'll go through and watch all of them together at the same time. <laughs> we initially kept just watching them on our own phones, but together. So eventually I said, why don't we just share our screens so that way we both see them at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a good idea you had. <laughs> so we should just be watching them on one. Right. That's a big one. We like to try to go to different events and things. I actually just got him tickets for his birthday to see Steve-O on his last tour. <laughs> he used to watch a lot of things like that with different stunts. And when we were young, it was, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos and watching those things. And, and we laughed because it was almost like we've morphed into the, the today's version yeah. of what that is because these videos <laughs> it really is America's funniest home videos and, and people make them but I feel like that's always been something we've done. Yeah. Well there was anytime we got to go on roller coasters. We haven't done that recently. Right. That's one of your special interests, right, oh, yeah. Anthony? Love roller coasters. Do you have an amusement park that you go to regularly? We haven't really gone to any recently. But we did used to go to Six Flags New England a good bunch. Hmm. I am a heavier set individual, and a lot of roller coaster rides aren't as accommodating for people like me. So I haven't been able to fit on a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Which comes from years of using food as a coping mechanism. Mm, I see. So you were using food as a coping mechanism? Yes. In what way? When you were feeling upset, you'd turn to food? In pretty much any way. Something good happens, we go out to eat to celebrate, something bad. I use food because I didn't exactly have friends or anything to talk to about the situation. So my only real form of comfort was food that tasted good. And unfortunately, most foods that taste good happen to not be so healthy. Mm. Is this something you still struggle with? Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you tried to seek professional help with this? A little bit. They actually keep recommending that I get the gastric sleeve surgery that Alexis got, but I don't feel like I have the self-discipline to do a lot of the steps that are required for what she did. What are some of those steps? Well, there was a long time she could only be on like a liquid diet. I did keto for a month and wanted to eat the walls. So as long as she went with no carbs or anything like that, I don't think that I could do. Mm. Alexis, do you have something to add? Yeah, I was going to say that is something that Anthony and I have always had in common was we had similar struggles with eating disorders and, and those things. I don't think Anthony ever went through like a formal diagnosis process for that. I had been diagnosed with binge eating disorder and went through a program for that. And my mom had actually mentioned while I was going through that, that she had noticed the beginning of that starting when Anthony was starting his ABA services. And so at those times, she noticed that 
my mom and Anthony are in the living room with the behavior therapist. They're doing their stuff out there. And I might just grab a whole box of fruit snacks and just run in my room and eat the whole thing. And that was from a very, very young age. So that's when she said she started noticing some of those patterns. And so Anthony and I, we, we both kind of grew up with similar eating styles. And that actually, that's why that seems to be constant trigger for the fighting was especially if we were going to split something you might as well get a ruler out because (laughs) I'm not gonna have the smaller half certainly not that's not gonna happen and so a lot of things that I'm happy that I have changed in my mindset you know now I don't even think about which side is bigger or whatever you know what I mean those sort of things that happen when you're amidst a food addiction and it's very very difficult to pull out of that so I felt that once I was able to pull myself out of that position, I had really hoped to inspire Anthony to move in a similar direction of just wellness and caring for his health in general. There are almost these overlapping layers between where the characteristics of his autism and the characteristics of these eating disorders kind of feed each other, for lack of a better term. (laughs) I think he gets so caught in his routines and really loves the way that he goes about every day. And so bringing in a big lifestyle change is just, it's difficult for anybody, but I think it's just that extra layer is really hard for him to imagine himself in a lifestyle that he's never yet been in. You know, different steps that I've tried to kind of guide him into figuring out what it is for him that he likes, but he can't quite put his mindset into what he would like if he has never seen it or done it. And so that can kind of bring extra challenge there. And there's only so much that I'm able to do. He definitely never wants to hear me lecture him again on how much I care that he treats himself well and be and is healthy. But we've talked about some of the hardships that he faces because of his weight. There are a lot of different things that he would like to lose the weight so that he can benefit from. But I think that him not knowing exactly what to do and where to start or how is challenging. And I I can be a support system for him, but I can't fully do it for him. If I could, I would have done that by now, but (laughs) I can't. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that's something that I've also seen a lot of people that I work in the schools with deal with similar issues. And Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about, you know, not using food as a reinforcer and things like that, which did kind of happen with Anthony and a lot of other students that now become really dependent on those food reinforcers. And it's, it can destroy that healthy relationship with food. So now we're just kind of working on what those next steps look like, but Anthony has gotten his job at the gym He started working at the YMCA and has been using his membership there. Okay. And so he is taking some steps in the right direction. Yeah, great. So Anthony, tell us about your job. There's really not much to it. It's mostly just front desk stuff. So I help people check in. I help them set up their memberships. I help give them tours if they want one. And then just a lot of answering the phones if they have questions. Mm Mm-hmm. What are some of your strengths related to autism that help you in this job? Well, a lot of the things that I'm required to do follow a process or a procedure. So like setting up the memberships, it's the same thing a lot of the time. And I do well with routine procedures. So doing something that's repetitive, something that's 
routine, something that's orderly. I feel like that definitely helps. That's what my diagnosis sort of focuses on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as Alexis said, I think this is a step in the right direction. Maybe being in that environment might motivate you to um, find an activity that you really like. I hope I can find something as well. Yeah. So back to your special interests, you recently released an album. Yes, actually, I did. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. And like, is it a concept album? Is there some kind of theme across all the songs? I wouldn't say there's just a certain theme that all the songs fit. I'd say each song sort of has its own theme to it. I'd almost call it experimental in a way, but most of it is a rap album, except for the last song is a pop song, sort of. And that's sort of my delve into that genre, which I never used to do. So are you recording all of the beats on your own and you just produced it by yourself? Or what was that process like? The beats I actually find online a lot of the time. And most of the time, I'll have a general tempo in mind that I'm writing to. So then it's just a lot of uh, trial and error with finding beats that fit that tempo that also fit how I want the song to sound. But the last one, I actually found the beat first, and then I wrote the song around that. Okay. Do you have a an excerpt from one of the songs that you'd be comfortable sharing? If you just want to recite the rap or <laughs> read the lyrics? I can actually give you the chorus from the pop song. Okay. I feel the water on my feet. Couple drinks in the towel at my seat. It's summertime and I know that I'm right where I need to be. Don't got a worry on my mind. Don't matter what day it is or what time. It's summertime and I know that there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Nice. Wow, you have a voice. Thanks. So that song is about summertime? Yes. It's about like summer, being at the beach, things like that. Uh-huh. Very cool. Really uplifting. Thanks. <laughs> All right, guys. So I'd like to close with one last question. What advice would you give to other siblings? You know, from the autistic perspective and also from the non-autistic sibling perspective? I think from either perspective, I would say just stick it out as long as you can. And like most things in life, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It definitely took some time for us to come into our own understandings of each other. So it might take that same amount of time, maybe longer, maybe shorter for other people. But regardless, just stick it out. I think some good advice for any sibling is to be grateful for the opportunity to grow up with someone who understands how you grew up and can be someone who has also seen every version of yourself and known you since you were, you know, your youngest age. And just to be open-minded that they can still be your sibling, but be an entirely different person with entirely different thoughts and be open to exploring what their thoughts look like, as well as allowing them to explore what your thoughts look like and get to see the world in different ways rather than closing off your mind 
to just one way of thinking. Hmm. Great. Oh, well, thank you guys. I don't have a sibling, but I wish I did, especially when I hear of people who have such great relationships with their siblings. It's really nice. Yeah. Like we said, there's goods and bads. All right. <laughs> there was there was no one yanking your hair out or anything. <laughs> I think one time he knocked me out with a snow boot, but we can laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if people want to learn more about you, for example, listen to your album, Anthony, where can they do that? Anywhere music can be streamed, Spotify, iTunes, I've seen it on Pandora, Amazon Music, anywhere. Can you say the name of the album? And The album is titled Visions, but the first I is actually a one. Okay, great. And your artist's name? Big Tony. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. And just being so open. And as some of these things might not be easy to talk about, but it seems like, you know, you guys have processed it in a very healthy way. We're always happy to share. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. I really appreciate Anthony and Alexis sharing openly about their relationship. While each family is different, I hope this episode reminds those of you with siblings to check in on each other and continue to nurture the unique bond that you have. Like Anthony, are you an autistic self-advocate willing to share your experiences and educate others? Or like Alexis, are you a family member wanting to support your autistic loved one? Whatever your role related to autism is, you can join our online Global Autism community to connect and share your experiences with people from all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, You'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.